Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the, 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 the Catholic Cafe, the French Catholic Cafe. So beautiful to be here in Lourdes, France on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta. And uh, we love doing shows for our Tom. It's here, a chilly day, but it's been another beautiful day. So how we have well? got the most beautiful little studio that our cafe is set up in such a beautiful place. We get to overlook and... See, well, there might be a few kind of strange-looking buildings, different than what we're used to, but there's just a beautiful, the domain is right over there, and we have the beautiful trees. Uh, it's a lovely day in Lourdes, and that's a, you, we celebrate those days, don't we? Yes, we do, because it could be rain and sleet <laughs> and snow, like we saw yesterday. But That's uh, exactly right. So here we are. Well, we, uh, on pilgrimage, uh, meet all kinds of different folks, and uh, last year ran into uh, a guy uh, named Dane Monroe, uh, who's a Knight of Malta, and he actually is actually from Malta. Yes, from the island of the Malta. The island of Malta. And so um, uh, he spoke with us last year um, some historical perspectives about the order that I thought was kind of interesting. And so I bumped into him to get, again uh, right out in front of Andre Lacombe's sculpture shop. Yes. Here in... in um, One of the nicer Lourdes. gift shops. It's a nice little shop. A local artist, and he's passed on, but his daughter still runs that shop. But anyway, all that aside, uh, I said, Dane, you've got to do another show. And he goes, I just finished doing an article on the history of the, the first hospital in Jerusalem and where that came from and how that developed. And I thought that would be a very interesting topic. It is. That's why we have Damon Rowe here. He's a visiting professor of the University of Malta. He teaches Latin there, but also he does public lectures on history. And, of course, his one of his specialities is the history of pilgrimage. We're on pilgrimage here in Lourdes. So, Dane, it's so wonderful to have you here. Well, it's wonderful to be back here. That's great. And I love your Maltese accent. Is that what that is? Uh, no, it's a, a world accent yeah. with a <laughs> bit of Scottish, a bit of Australian, a bit of Dutch. Yeah, it's all kind of mixed in there. Citizen of the world. Very good. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And you're also a citizen of history because you, you know so much about the Order of Malta. But really, to know a lot about the Order of Malta, Fra Tom, is it not? In, you're also knowing a lot about the world, right? The, exactly. The Order's been around for, for quite some time. For 900 years. Yeah, yes. for 900 years. And so, Dane, you were telling me as we, as we passed by... Um, the other day on the street, you were saying, hey, I just finished an article, and it's about hospitals. And I, I, I forget that sometimes because we, the, the Hospitallers of St. John of Jerusalem is one of the names for the Order of Malta. You think about hospital, hospitallers, you think about uh, hospitality, and a lot of people don't realize that, that the concept of hospitals, of caring for the sick, I mean, really it was born out of uh, this history, was it not? Well, in the past, in Europe, I guess, uh, there were no hospitals, only for uh, the rich would have uh, private care. Uh, there were some uh, hospitalias, so that is um, the almshouses and right. the um, leprosaria. I don't know what that is, but uh, the leprosaries uh, for the people who have uh, leprosy. Oh, okay. And they were outside society because they were not deemed fit to be in society. Right. But they couldn't be left alone, so they were getting help in a special 
hospital outside the city walls. Right, but a, a hospital for a person who would, you know, break their leg or who would uh, come down with some kind of sickness, a serious sickness, didn't exist at that time, though, that normal people could go to. Uh, that is, if you break your leg, tough luck. Yeah. So what you needed was the, um, the old women of the village who knew everything about herbs, healing, and, of course, uh, you needed to go on the pilgrimage to ask Our Lady or your own patron saint for help. For help. And that was it. And that was it. Um, there were doctors, but they were of a kind. They, well, healing was not guaranteed. Right. The cure was probably worse than the ailments <laughs> and these kind of things. I'm sure yes. many people fell to that. Yeah. So uh, the thing they, is, uh, Our Lady was reliable. Yeah. Well, that's right. And uh, Our Lady is, because especially some of those doctors, some, that's why they always used to get their money up front. Yes. <laughs> With our lady, you can't pay later. That's exactly. That's beautiful. So tell us, I mean, where do you start when you're talking about hospitals and hospitality? Well, well you have to um, make structure out of the chaos, which was Europe. Um, let me go. What time are we talking about? Well, let's say um, the chaos started after 476 when the central administration of the Romans collapses. Okay, 5th century. 5th century. Mm-hmm. So what we get is the, um, the senators and all the other people in power, governors, become suddenly master of their own little kingdom. Right. So we get a very fragmented Europe. Okay. A bit here and a bit there. Because the Romans were holding everything together at that yeah, point. They're, they're admi- that was the structure, the, the foundation, I guess. Yeah, their central administration kept everything together. So when that fell, then we had fragmentation. You had fragmentation, and the void was filled up by everybody who could grab power. So you get a lot of different dialects, languages, rules, regulations. Uh, can I cross here? Can I cross there? Yeah. Borders, etc. Then, of course, to make things worse, we get uh, Europe gets attacked from all sides. The yeah. Normans from the north, the Muslims from the south, and the Huns from the east. Mm. And so what do you do? Um, you try to refragment or defragment like a computer. Defrag. Yes. Yeah, defrag like a computer. Mm. And that defragmentation is uh, mostly held by a number of things, which is Christianity. Right. Pulling things together. Um, the development of the chivalric Audi, chivalry, I, sh- the chivalry, the chivalric ideal, that is um, horsemen, former Roman horsemen or people who come from these kind of families, right. who are sober and who are righteous and protect the weak, and of course uh, try to make their own little kingdom. Uh, these people are good f- fodder for the later ideal of hospitals. Now, the first hospital, I think. Uh, we have to go back to um, Empress Helena, okay. the mother of Constantine, who built the Holy Sepulchre Church in Jerusalem. Right, and also key to Catholic history in, in terms of when she went on that garage sale as she went to look for all the different artifacts and, and things the to bring. The true Holy Cross, for instance. Yes, all that, yes. And then, of course, um, this tradition is not continuous in Jerusalem, but... Um, Constanti- uh, the mother of Constantine built a hospital. Then we have uh, Charlemagne who built a hospital. Every time a big European ruler builds something in Jerusalem. Right. So it's not continuous as in one hospital is founded and then ever since there was a hospital. But the idea is continuous. So there's an idea of hospitals. An idea. And, of course, um, by the year of 400, there were about already 200 monasteries leading to Jerusalem. Okay. So where as pilgrim you could stay overnight because in the earliest Christianity 
And there was this uh, duty for hospitality for pilgrims. Right. Shelter, water, food. Sometimes it was more luxurious. Sometimes it was the basic deal. Right. But uh, we have to go to back to Matthew 10.40, I believe. It says, if you uh, take care of them, you t- t- take care of me. Right. And um, you cannot discard les miserables. You cannot close the door for them because maybe Christ mm-hmm. is among them. That's right. And that is, was the, the big idea. So everybody took in. It was your duty to take care of them. And you had a humble right to it. Right. And so there's this chain of monasteries on the Pilgrim Way. On the Pilgrim Way to Jerusalem. And later on, of course, we get the big example of um, Santiago, where you have uh, from Europe to Santiago de la Compostela, you have hundreds of little monasteries, right. hospitals, etc. So we have to go back now to, uh, to Italy, to Amalfi, a beautiful little city full of uh, very enterprising merchants who uh, were engaged in what is called the cabotage. That is, you have your ship and you sail to one harbor, you load and load, and you go to the next harbor, see what you can sell, see what you pick up. And these were European harbors, also eastern harbors. Right. So they had very good uh, political relationships with um, eastern rulers. So it came to be that they um, could set up a, um, a Malverton safe house in Jerusalem. Uh, there was a little hospice, there was a retreat house, and that is actually the basis for the modern idea of the hospitalers. Oh, really? Now, when that, was this? What, what that, that is around 1054. Okay. That's so 50, now we're getting 50, near to the beginning of the time of the, of the Knights of yep, Malta, So it's right? still 50 years before the Crusades. Right. And this Amalfitan house later on got a monastery with the Benedictine rules, and they opened up for local... Uh, local people and Christian pilgrimage as well. Uh, the opening up for the locals was a lifesaver because the local rule uh, could be somebody of Egypt or somebody of right. uh, another Muslim ruler. Um, because they healed the local people, they were always popular. Let's say it's the same principle of our hospital in Bethlehem. Yeah. The same idea. So by curing local people, you keep your own mainstay. You remain there as a fixed Right, because eventually uh, you, you sustain people so the, the, they live longer, they're healthier, they're better, and so that makes it a center essentially for life, right? Because yeah. you know you're going to stay clear or stay near something like that because you're going to have health. Yeah. And also, uh, although uh, probably the Eastern medical care and knowledge was much better than the Western in the beginning, right? Um, this um, care is cure principle worked uh, wonders. So this hospital uh, reaches its own conclusion, and they go about, and then about 1071, we get Gerard. Blessed Fra Gerard. Blessed Fra Gerard, the constitutor of the hospital. Now, this man had enormous, well, revolutionary ideas. So he does not only um, see how this works, this hospital, but he looks into the future. And one thing he realizes, the hospital is a monastery. A monastery is, by definition, a closed compound. Right. What you need to do is make it into a convent and go into the public life. You reach reach out. Right. Monasteries you go to, and that's it. A convent actually reaches out. Right. So that is not only reaching out for health care, but in the end, also reaching out with armed escorts from uh, Jaffa or other places towards Jerusalem. Uh, because you can imagine, 
the roads to Jerusalem were extremely dangerous. Yes, of course. And the group of pilgrims is easy to be recognized. There is a, a cloud of dust on the road, and you see a large right. group of people. And so they need to be protected because they're on pilgrimage, and they were going to bring enough provisions with them, and so they know they're travelers, and the, so they're going to they're going to get you know, ransacked and exactly. And they had lose their purse their, of yeah. coins with them. They had a staff and their cloak, easy recognizable, very easy target. Yeah. Um, the amount of pilgrims murdered and all terrible things done to them uh, went into the thousands. Mm. And that's why pilgrimage in the past was uh, you went away from home, but you never knew if you would return. Well, I'm thankful mm. we don't have that kind of uh, trouble sometimes now traveling. But uh, mm. uh, th- we're going to talk more about this. This is fascinating because we're getting ready to be the part where the Order of Malta then becomes and then uh, launches this concept in a, in a much bigger way, I imagine. Uh, before we do that, we're going to take a l- little break here. I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Every generation, certain individuals stand out as brilliant teachers of the faith. 19th century England produced one such shining star, Blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, one of the most brilliant Catholic writers and educators of modern time. On February 21, 1803, John Henry Newman was born to banker John Newman of London. As one of six children, young John Newman was well-educated and known as a voracious reader of novels. By age 15, Newman had a conversion experience, straying from his Anglican faith and becoming an evangelical Calvinist with strong anti-Catholic leanings. Throughout his life, he would always acknowledge his gratitude for this conversion experience and saw it as pivotal to the salvation of his soul. But he grew over time to see that the evangelical Christianity, with its emphasis on salvation by faith alone, was, as he put it, a Trojan horse for undogmatic religious individualism that must inevitably lead to subjectivism. Newman came back to his childhood Anglican faith, seeing the great need for the hierarchical church as a body to protect and transmit the faith through the generations. While teaching at Oxford University, John Newman was an integral founder of the Oxford Movement, a group of high church Anglicans that sought to restore to the Church of England several aspects of Christian tradition and liturgy that had been lost. The Oxford Movement published a series of tracts that gradually became more and more Catholic in tone and theology. Ultimately, John Newman converted to Catholicism and continued to write several eloquent defenses of the Catholic faith. His writings and the Oxford movement with which he was intimately involved were responsible for the conversion of hundreds of people to the Catholic faith. John Newman was ordained a Catholic priest in February 1846. In 1854, he was sent to Ireland to serve as rector for the newly established Catholic University of Ireland. While in Ireland, Father Newman published a series of lectures on the idea of a university, wherein he argued that the university should be dedicated to the search and transmission of all truth, including the fundamental truths revealed by Christ through his church. Blessed John Newman serves as patron for the Newman Centers of Catholic College Students established at universities across America. 
I'm Bess Trozimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. I'm sitting here with uh, Fra Tom Mulligan. Uh, and also we're talking to Dane Monroe. Uh, and Dane is the visiting professor of University of Malta. So you're from this little island of Malta. And uh, Dane, thank you for being here uh, to tell us all this interesting history about hospitals and where they even came from. We, we take for granted sometimes, I think, all the things that we have in the modern world and just assume that we've always had those. Right, and here you're telling us how just the concept of the hospital got started because it wasn't something that, unless you were very wealthy, you didn't have any kind of care like that. And, of course, if you were poor, you didn't have anything. Or maybe if you had leprosy, they kicked you out of town and put you someplace, and they, they cared for you there. But you didn't want to go to that place if you didn't have <laughs> leprosy already, right? No, you wouldn't you want to stay away from Exactly that. right. So interesting how this starts to develop in this idea of the Pilgrim Way, the Pilgrim Road, and these monasteries. Uh, and then we, we start to see um, this uh, uh, man named Gerard who... Um, you know, starts to come onto the scene and starts to take this idea of the hospital. So where do we go next? What happens next? Well, Gerard takes uh, the hospital into the world. So from the monastery to a convent, into the world. He creates a series of chains of hospitals from Europe going to Jerusalem. And so his whole idea here is, now does he have some great vision of like helping sick, peop- sick people or is it really just again about pilgrims and traveling? Well, he was a real visionary. He had this idea... Okay, the people in Spain made a network of hospitals towards uh, Santiago. Um, That was a very popular idea, and he created the same chain, which still exists today, which is uh, just not bad, 900 years. Um, And, of course, all roads then led to Jerusalem. And this visionary is, if I create enough funds, I can create more hospitals, I can help more people. The more people come to Jerusalem, the better it is, because this is the center point of our religion. It's a beautiful concept. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of people don't realize that's how hospitals started, right? From, from the hospitality of the houses that would be set up to help those pilgrims who were on their way. Yeah, and the pilgrims, of course, they um, had some money left if they were not uh, beaten to death on the road or being ransomed. And normally they would pay one gold piece to at the door of Jerusalem. Okay. And then they would go into Jerusalem and were allowed to do their religious uh, trajectory and go to the hospital. The hospital grew and grew and grew. Uh, it catered for a lot of people and it attracted also a lot of people from Europe to, to work there. Uh, mainly pilgrims who stayed. Right. And then, of course, uh, we have the big change from monastery to convent. We see that um, the hospital started off with the Benedictines. There's the Benedictine rule. It's a house rule. But also, in order to be a convent out in the open, you need to adapt those rules. So what uh, Gerard did, he made his own version of the Benedictine rule. Uh, A more profound change, probably, uh, was the change of patron saint. Uh, this is a hotly debated affair, uh, but others, and myself included, are quite uh, well. I'm quite sure that um, there was first a another patron saint, maybe simultaneous with Saint John the Baptist, uh, Saint John the Almoner. Oh, okay. Uh, saint John the Almoner. Had well, we're talking uh, about the patron saint of the Order of Malta. As the, we're, 
Hey, the patron saint of the Order of Malta is St. John the Baptist, right. the precursor Christi, the, he right. who came before Christ. But there was also in the hospital in Jerusalem a small chapel dedicated to St. John the Almoner. St. John the Almoner, a rich Egyptian uh, almoner or saint, uh, helped um, Jerusalem, uh, rebuilding Jerusalem after mm-hmm. some trouble. I understand what, maybe why it's controversial, but why is why this important to the, the story of the hospital? Well, because um, St. Uh, John the Almoner was not a martyr. And he was um, of the Greek, right? right? And during the Crusades and before that, the Greeks were seen as suspect. Right. Uh, because of the, the history. Um, okay. There were... Well, they said, well, they're cowards and and they're not good here and not good there. And they wanted to take a political distance from the Greek world. Yes. And, of course, uh, when you have St. John the Baptist as your patron saint, he is in a direct line to Christ. Right. Well, the other patron saint was way off the mark. Right. And in the chivalric world, um, your genealogy is, first and foremost, extremely important. Very good. So the St. John the Baptist um, was a person who was directly related to uh, to Christ. And, of course, um, the family of St. John the Baptist, the uh, father and mother, were probably uh, working at uh, the same place as the hospital was. The, it's a locus sancti, a sacred place, right. which is very important. It was very close to the Holy Sepulchre. And um, changing over to St. John the Baptist, if that happened, was a very good move um, because there were a lot of uh, miracula uh, being told, miraculous stories. And these are the kind of the winning narrative of the moment. You have a a very good story on the website and it goes viral. So a miracula is a miraculous story about the hospital in Jerusalem. Um, And that, of course, uh, created a lot of public relations. Now, is this, I guess I want to stop for a second and ask you a question. I hope it doesn't take us off track too much. But this whole idea of uh, these hospitality houses or, or caring for the pilgrims along the way and even nursing them back to health if they've been, um, you know, beaten up or whatever. At, at what point do we see where there's, a, uh, you know, hospitals, we know them not necessarily be places that are along the way of, of a pilgrim, right? And they're essentially houses of cure for disease and whatever. They became that eventually, but they weren't always that. No, we see this, this development from the 6th to the 7th century. Okay. And we have, of course, near Amalfi, we have the fabled school of medicine, Salerno. Right. They were, they were neighbors. Uh, the Amalfitans also were big importers of spices. Oh, okay. Including the knowledge what the spice would do to you. Right. So these miraculous things that they're hearing, once, once we know that... Uh, St. John the Baptist is the patron saint, and all of a sudden we, we, we see these the miracles associated with this hospital in Jerusalem, right? Is that essentially because they're, they're curing people and people who are coming there? So the sick are now coming as well, I guess, making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, but bringing the sick to, to have a miracle cure? Is that well, something that's going I, well, on? I think they were got sick on the way or, yeah, or tried okay. to write. That's what happened automatically. In the past, the hospital was there. You were weak. And they would strengthen you again with good food. Okay. But once you were strengthened again, you were back to the normal diet. So when you were sick, you got three to four times meat a week. You got fresh milk. But once you regained your strength and you could walk out, you were left to your own devices. At right. first, it was just not to cure you, but to prevent you from collapsing. Right. 
later on when the medical knowledge increases, uh, the hospital uh, gets wards for men and women. You get uh, wards for eye diseases, uh, wards for um, very dangerous diseases. Right. Um, so all these different for, wards set up for to, they're segmenting the sick. Exactly. Do they understand the concept of, of contagion and spreading yes. disease um, at that time? Isolation is, I think, one of the best and most understood um, techniques or techniques or modes for healing. Okay, That's why so we get isolation. To put them over there. Don't let them. Because I guess they knew about leprosy and they leprosy? Could catch leprosy. That yeah. taught them. I don't want to be near a sick person. Even if they didn't know really what was going on, they realized that it could uh, the bad humors can go through the air or by touching. Right. And they didn't didn't really know what was going on, but they had this idea when we separate them, uh, it's better for. Right. Uh, so we take the rotten apple out of the basket. And I know I'm jumping way ahead, but I know there's other things that are important to note about things like even I, I remember someone saying that it was the order of Malta and through the hospitals that they understood the first concept of sterilization and things like that were developed as part of all of this to further understand how to keep people healthy. So there's a lot of development. There's a lot on. of development. Uh, it comes from the East. Um, the Eastern medicine, as I said, was a bit advanced. Um, but the Europeans caught up. So when the, order, the, the doctors of the Order of St. John already started washing their hands and doing hygiene, the doctors in Europe were still dressed in blood-soaked clothes right. with cake blood under the nails and causing one infection after the other. Right. The cure was worse than the... Uh, <laughs> the ailment. Yeah, yeah the, exactly. Unfortunately. didn't really help. So, but the Order of St. John goes from Jerusalem back into Europe, taking with them all their knowledge. And which makes them um, a very reliable uh, service, a, ver- a provider of uh, reliable services. Wonderful. And so what a great history. And I know there's lots more. You wrote this big, long article and did all this study and stuff. We don't even have time to get into all of it. But it's fascinating. And it's just neat to see. And I guess folks at home listening, maybe the next time you're in the hospital or a loved one's in the hospital and they're made strong and they're sent back home, thank, thank the Order of Malta. Right for developing the the concept of a hospital came all out of Blessed Fra Gerard because they fashioned the Order of Malta, fashioning hospitals to make people better along the way. And if somebody is healed from the hospital, um, give a, even the slightest thought to uh, Our Lady and Saint John the Baptist. Dane Monroe, thank you so much for uh, for joining us here in the Catholic Cafe again. And you know what? We're here in Lourdes. We're going to wrap up our program, and, and we always invoke Our Lady at the end of these programs in prayer. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.